We are in the second Sunday of Advent. Like Kate was talking about, it's a time of, of waiting, of longing, a time of anticipation. But because Christ has come, there's, there's also with it, a, if you feel excited at the same time, that's okay. Um, I was telling the ladies at the Correctional Center this, this morning, this, this Advent, it varies from Advent to Advent. This Advent, I have a bit more of excitement for some reason built in, and I'm, I'm excited because we, we don't wait in vain, and we know that. And so, second Sunday of Advent, two more to go. We'll spend the fourth Sunday with our friends from Mount Zion. And so, for today and next Sunday, we're in this series, short Advent series called Yearning for God. Yearning for God. And I don't know all of you very well, but I know this much about you. If you're a human being like me, we have this sense of longing and yearning for something bigger, something bigger and something better. You ever felt that? That, that sense there's got to be more to life. There's got to be more to me. There's got to be more to this. That longing is given to you by the manufacturer, God. It's, it's a, a homing device, as somebody says. It, it, you long for something bigger and better because there really is a home, and it's not right now. It's not this world, so to speak. You, you and I ache for something bigger and better because there is. And so let's uh, today look at yearning for peace. Last Sunday it was yearning for the divine gaze. We'll kind of think more macro, big picture, but also include the individual and talk about yearning for peace. Doesn't feel like there's a lot of peace in the world today, right? Well, maybe we, we need better eyes to see and ears to hear so that we don't lose hope. Uh, Just one verse, Ephesians 2, verse 14. You can read along with me there in, in the liturgy. For he that is Christ, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, if we're listening at all, you have already accomplished this by taking on flesh. I confess it doesn't feel like there's peace within me. It doesn't feel like there's peace with, with, with me and other people. From time to time, it certainly doesn't feel like there's peace in the world. So show us how to see. Give us those eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to experience what is actually a present reality. In Jesus' name, amen. The reality is this. There is no us and them. That is a present reality. There is no us and them. There is only one. There is only we together. We know this 
Because with the incarnation, this is what is so amazing about it, the word that is the creator of all things joined the lump of creation. And when that happens, well, a little bit of yeast will eventually leaven the whole lump. As Jesus teaches, the word taking on flesh means we are now one. One with Christ, one with God, one with one another. This, this is why the incarnation is, well, why I'm excited about it. I, for one, this is, continues to just, um, just blow me away. The more I think about it, I love Christmas. I love to focus on the good news of the incarnation, the word, the, the grain of the universe, the, the logos taking on our flesh. Friends, that, that does something. And what it does for our purposes today is it does bring peace. There's only one. There is only now we. So marriage, the Bible is, marriage is a, is a primary metaphor throughout scripture. Marriage is a symbol for this. It is really just that. If you're married, that, that's a means to something else. You're a part of something bigger, actually, than just you and your spouse. If you don't get that, your marriage is going to struggle, actually. You have to, it's not an end in and of itself. It is a means to seeing something bigger and something better. This is what scripture means. Paul, the apostle Paul says that explicitly in, in, in Ephesians 5. So, so marriage, you know, this idea of, of two becoming one is a symbol of this union between Christ or, or God and people, the church, that, that's, just, that's the people, right? One, Jesus says, and marriage is just a symbol of that. And so Paul says in Ephesians 5, in encouraging spouses toward that reality and encouraging spouses toward love, listen to his language. He says, after all, no one ever hated their own body but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. So when the word takes on flesh, we become members of God. We are one. There is no us and them. There is only we. So the point is, because God is a God of peace, Christ is the prince of peace. The point is peace has come. Only question is, are we going to live into it? Are we going to live into it? The world, friends, is waiting for us to live into it. The world is longing for for us to be who we already are in Christ. So the main teaching today it, it even rhymes a little bit, so you, maybe you can remember this. Christ moves us from me to we, thus ending hostility. Christ moves us from me to we, 
thus ending hostility. Peace has come. Two acts like uh, This American Life, y'all listen, any This American Life junkies out there? I used to listen to that a lot. I don't really anymore. Uh, is it still a podcast? I think it is. But when you listen to This American Life, this podcast, they always break up the story in, in, in like acts, like act one, act two, maybe act three. Well, I'm going to give you two acts today. Act one, the show has come to town. The show has come to town. Act two, there is no way to peace. I'm looking for puzzled looks. I see some. Good. Did I just, did I just contradict myself? <laughs> I'll explain. I'll explain. Act one, the show has come to town. The show is the king in the kingdom. Salvation in a person came some almost 2,000 years ago. There's a passage in Luke, Luke chapter 10, where Jesus appoints 72 people to go out and spread the good news. And so they, they go door to door and they knock on the door and they say, Nathan, if you died tonight, do you know where, do you know if you'd spend eternity, where you'd spend eternity? That, that's, the, that's not what happened. <laughs> okay. Some of you are like, well, where are we going here? Um, well, that seems to be the evangelism, a, a common evangelism program today. That is not what Jesus did when he sent them out to evangelize. It means herald the good news. It means proclaim the good news. He, so he, what he did, what, what the actual king did, this is the actual evangelism program for the church in the kingdom is Jesus sends out 72 people to go ahead of him into the villages and towns where he's going to go, but he sends his people who is, they, they are one. He sends out his emissaries to go ahead of him to knock on the door with this good news. Peace has come. That was it. That, that was the gospel message. No, no response required. Now, if you want life, there's something you got to do, but no pressure. (laughs) If you want life now, not not, uh, the, uh, we really get this wrong. If we think that the evangelism is about getting people out of hell, that's not, that was not how Jesus approached it. It was, do you want life right now? Not when, not when you die. That's not, that was not on his radar. Do you want life now? Receive this peace because guess what? It has come. And so this is what Jesus said literally in, in Luke 10. He appoints 72 people to go ahead of him two by two to every town and to embody the peace of the kingdom. They were to bring nothing with them. They certainly weren't going to bring any sort of weapons with them as they go into the scary places. (laughs) No, no. In fact, you bring nothing with you but yourself. And this is the command. Go two by two to every town. Bring nothing with you but this message of peace. That's all you bring. And to make this a, a real experience, he said even more explicitly, don't bring money. You don't need money. 
Don't bring anything to sleep on, even. <laughs> uh, and um, don't even wear shoes. <laughs> that, that's, that was a command of Christ. Just go look like you're going to a Grateful Dead show. And look like a dirty hippie. And, uh, which I used to be, so I can, I'll, I can make fun of myself. So just go... Don't bring anything with you. You don't need money. You don't need uh, a knapsack or something to sleep on. You don't even need shoes. Go barefoot and go up to the first door of the first house you see. Knock on that door and say, peace to this house. And then Jesus said, if they receive you, well, go on in and stay with them. And then he says something really interesting. He says, if they don't receive you, guess what? More peace for you. <laughs> that was his program. That's the program of the kingdom. Announce that the peace has come. Do you want it? Oh, if you don't want it, guess what? More peace for me. It's like a boomerang. I announce peace to you. you it's yours. Oh, if it, but if you don't want it, it comes back to me. Look it up. Luke 10. This is actually what the, how the kingdom is meant to spread. <laughs> according to the king, at least. So then he says, for those that don't, now again, the peace has come, and think of it as an open door. This is, the, this is really, the, the church itself is just an entry point into the kingdom. That's who we are, a portal into the kingdom. Our job, keep the door open and keep the light on. Always, 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 for absolutely anyone. That's our job. But we can't force anyone through that door, right? That's up to you. And so he says, for those who don't receive you and don't welcome you or the peace of the kingdom in, tell them this, the kingdom of God has come to you, has come to you. Or other language might be, the kingdom of God is near to you. Or the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here, but we have to walk through the door. It's wide open for you. Do you want life now? Walk through the door. Um, one of my biggest regrets in life was a time when the show came to my town and I did not go. 1991, Pearl Jam had just released the album 10, their first album, a great album. And as a teenager in the 90s, I was all about it. And my, I was 16 years old when that al album came out. My parents had scraped and clawed and, and eventually later on that year got me a used Honda Prelude. Pretty, it's pretty cool. You know, it's kind of a sports, sporty car a little bit had a tape deck. I got that album and man, I wore that cassette out like till it just like disintegrated. Like I, I was like, like I was saying this morning, I don't get kids that don't want their driver's license these days because that means that meant freedom for me. Right. And, uh, and ladies, you're going to get your driver's license again soon. And my guess is you're going to want that. And in, you know, Unfortunately, we don't have tape cassettes as much anymore, but I, unfortunately, but like when I was 16, man, that was the soundtrack for 
1991. And I, I, I just drive around town and, and experience God and the music, really. Uh, that was, that's a great album. And uh, unfortunately, though, something happened where the following year, they came to my town of Memphis, Tennessee, and on their American tour, they were going to play at the Mid-South Coliseum, and my friend, who had a connection in the music industry with his dad, got me a free ticket on the floor in front of the stage, and I was so excited, but I didn't go, and here's what got in the way fundamentalist religion got in the way. That's what got in the way. Let me explain. So I, I grew up going to, my parents, you know, forced me to go to church with them, and it was, it was of the fundamentalist kind of variety. And as I look back on my story, I, I believe, I, I look back and I can see where the kingdom was always near. The kingdom was always at hand, actually. God was always right there. It just so happened for me, my, the church I grew up in was not an entry point into the kingdom. It may have been for some. It was not for me. I could smell a rat. And so I rebelled against religion and against Christianity, except for this one tragic time. Now, I'm, I'm a sensitive person, um, always have been, always will be. And I was a very sensitive kid. And, you know, like I, like I say from time to time, I've never met anyone that wants to go to hell. And so I, when I hear my church telling me that Pearl Jam is the devil's music and like the soundtrack to hell, and, uh, and, and if you don't want to go there, then you don't listen to that music and you get rid of all of, your, all of your secular CDs. Well, unfortunately, in that tragic season of my life, I listened. <laughs> and I told my friend Nathan, I was like, I think I need to get my life right. And this is what I'm being told to do by my church. So thanks, but no thanks. I gave him the free ticket back. The show came to town, and I didn't take the ticket. It was at hand. It was right there in my town. I had a free ticket to go on the floor in front of the stage. One of my biggest regrets in life, truly, listening to that church. <laughs> the show had come near was at hand, and I didn't go. Friends, the kingdom has come near. The show's come to town, your town, this town, Asheville, North Carolina. The ticket's free. Are you going to receive it? Are we going to receive it? We, we gonna, it's ours. Are we going to go? It's, the kingdom is at hand. That's what it means. It's right here. It's like right in front of you. The gate is open wide. It's come to you. You don't have to go to it. It has come to you in Christ, this baby in a manger. Will we go? How do we go? This is where I want to end. So we, we simply just, it's, all we have to do is receive it and enter in. But how do we do this? Okay. Act number two. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. There is, I'm quoting Brian Zahn here. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. There's, there's no means to peace. There's no means to living according to Christ. 
In this moment, we either do, we either are, or we're not. And friends, do you know what is the soundtrack to hell? It's religious people saying that violence is the way to peace. When you hear that, you are hearing the devil's music, actually, in fact. Violence is not a part of this kingdom. It's why Jesus said, go out there with nothing but peace. And unfortunately, we are hearing, I am hearing a lot of religious people talk as if violence is, is, a, is a, an appropriate and an okay means to some sort of end of peace. That is when you have been duped. You're not following Christ at that point. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. The means are the end. The means is the goal for life. You're either, we are either living the way of Christ or we are not. When we live the way of peace, we enter into the kingdom. That is how we walk through the door. That's how. That's why the early church was called the way. That's how. That's how you enter in. The passage that Jessica read is a prophecy in Isaiah. But, but think about this for a second. In Jesus' day, well, before Jesus, in fact, when they knew this was a messianic prophecy of the kingdom, let me ask you this. Were they thinking the king would need to come twice in order to fulfill this? That's nowhere in, in this prophecy. Yeah, there'll, there'll be an initial installment, and, and, and then he'll have to come again. And, and then maybe even a third time to, like, really wrap it up. I just want us to get into the minds of the hearers here. This prophecy says that when the Messiah comes, this is what will happen. The mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways." so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion. The word of the Lord will come from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. They will take their weapons of war and turn them into garden tools, cultivating life and not death. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This baby Jesus is that king who has come. We live in this age right now, friends, which is going to require us to kind of recalibrate, isn't it? To rethink how we see, and how we know. But according to the Bible, the king has come. Yes, there, there's a day, it, 
right now the kingdom, so to speak, is in a mirror dimly. It is here. A day will come and we will be face to face. We will experience always what has actually already been true. And the call now is for us to live into this present reality because the gate of heaven is here. The last days, the last days, that's, that's when the king comes. When did the king come? Some 2,000 years ago? What does that mean for today? Somebody tell me. When's the last days? In the future? Now. This is what the Bible teaches, actually. <laughs> As it turns out, we, Hebrews, Hebrews 1, written, uh, let's, uh, let's say around 100 A.D. Uh, or C.E., begins, in these last days, it says, God once upon a time long ago spoke in the prophets in many places in many ways. In these last days has finally spoken how? How, Nathan? In his son. The, this is the baby that we celebrate in the manger. He's come, and he brought peace with him. So, how do we, how do we live into that? Well, uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, now, on earth, as it is in heaven. Are there guns in heaven? Are there weapons of war in heaven? Well, we beat them into plowshares right now. That's what we do, don't we, if we got them? We, we support peace, period, any way, in every way that we can, at the voting booth, in our own lives, we also, as it were, beat this weapon of war called our tongue <laughs> into a, something that cultivates life rather than death. Now, this is a real challenge. Now, both with this kingdom, it's meant to impact societies and individuals together, systems and individuals together. It's not either or, or it's not the kingdom, but, but maybe we can just focus on I mean, certainly for myself to <laughs> uh, working on this weapon right here and living the way of peace means using our tongue for peace, both, both how we speak to ourselves and to others. We use this thing as a violent weapon, don't we, oftentimes? Um, and so living in this kingdom means Instead, using our, our speech and our thoughts for love, not war. That's what it means. And so this is, this is the hard work. This is why we have to surrender and say, you know what, Jesus, I can't do that. Help! Help! But this is what it means to live the way of peace. It means to seek reform for our tongues and our thoughts to which we oftentimes use against others and against ourselves. So, who's with me? 
become descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Give us that power, Christ. I I don't have it. We don't have it. We confess. I confess. The violence that exists on my tongue, in my own heart. The violence toward others, toward myself. We can start there. In addition to being activists in other ways for society, we can do both. Give us that power. Help us as we leave this place to just at least know that the peace is ours in Christ Jesus. We can have peace for the storm in the midst of the storm that is our heart and soul. In Jesus' name, amen.